Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Catherine Van Sickle, the stories-based podcast that interviews professionals, donors, and thought leaders in the field of fundraising. When you hear the word principal gift, what comes to mind? I tend to think of named buildings, billionaires, and hushed conversations behind closed doors. Today, I was lucky to snag the brilliant and bold Ben Porter to demystify principal gifts for this week's podcast. Ben gives us the inside scoop on his book, The Principal Gifts Checklist, as we unpack principal gifts together, from the definition to the inner workings of eight and nine figure gifts. We talk about problem solving, the similarities and differences with major gifts, and the universal imperative of trust. Ben Porter is the Associate Dean of Advancement for Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. He wrote the Principal Gifts Checklist, How to Cultivate and De-Risk Gifts of 5 Million to 100 Million, published by Case in 2019, while serving as Assistant Vice President of Principal Gifts and International Fundraising. Over nearly 14 years at Northwestern, he has also held director-level positions in annual giving, regional major gifts, engineering, and initiatives fundraising. He started his fundraising career as a program assistant at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government in 2002. Ben is also founding board member of the Strategic Initiatives Group for Advancement Professionals. He takes a data-driven, collaborative, and service-based approach to principal gifts fundraising. He believes that by moving donors from outsiders to insiders, we build trust and move into their critical top three charities. And you'll hear a lot more about that. Ben lives in Evanston, Illinois with his wife and two children. He supports many charities and is a regular blood donor. The only place he figures his contribution can equal to that of a billionaire. Ben is a Princeton graduate. Now let's get started. Hi, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Catherine. It's great to be here. Let's start with defining what we're talking about here. What is a principal gift? A principal gift at Northwestern is $5 million. It's pretty well established right now in higher ed that major gifts are 100,000 and above, principal gifts are 5 million and above, and transformative gifts are 100 million and above. You have to have experience to get experience, but then how do you get there? And I think for a lot of us, principal gifts feel very magical. So I'm excited about debunking that. But what are your perceptions around the differences between principal and major gifts? Right. A a major gift and a principal gift have a lot in common. Depends a lot on the net worth of the prospect. For a donor to give $5 million, generally we think, that that's someone with a net worth of $100 million or more. And you can see certain lifestyle indicators. One difference is the net worth. Another difference is how much publicity the gift is going to get. A $500,000 gift will get no publicity. University won't issue a press release. A big university like Columbia or Northwestern will get 500 gifts like that a year. A $10 million gift will get local publicity. Crane's Chicago business will talk about any $10 million gift we raise. A $100 million gift uh, may get national publicity, particularly if there's a celebrity uh, involved. Someone, you know, you have a well-known billionaire 
uh, gives a gift of that size, it's going to get national or international news. And then there are occasionally three and $500 million gifts that get global news. And so one consideration with principal gifts is how is it going to affect the family? How's the publicity going to affect the family? Is that going to uh, have ramifications for the children and grandchildren? Is that going to cause any problems in the family? Uh, some of them want as much recognition as possible. Others uh, want as little recognition as possible. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you really want to recognize you, you're the lead donor to our building. We have to recognize you can't be anonymous, right? And then, and then they say, well, I really got to talk to my family first. You know, that's the sort of thing. I would say too that a principal gift you almost only get if you're in that person's top two or three charities. Someone who's worth $100 million could give a major gift to a dozen places, but they're only going to give $5 million to one or two places. And so I often think, how can I move into their top three? And do you often ask the donors you work with where Northwestern falls? Yes, I do. Are people ready to answer that question? I, I asked a donor who'd given $10 million to Northwestern. I said, well, are we in your top three? And he said, actually, you're not. You're not. He said, you're in my top 10. And I said, wow, wow I thought we were in your top three. So I want to work on it. Right. You're like, okay, let's meet again. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, I think about that. I'm, I talk about that in the process in the book is about moving them from outsider to insider. So what is the checklist and, and what inspired doing that? I know you talked about the fact that you were able to start seeing patterns, but right. did someone ask you to do it? Did it come to you in the middle of the night? <laughs> what happened? Early in my career, I met a thousand dollar donor who said, you know, thanks for coming to visit me. I'm going to double my gift to 2000 and you should go talk with my friend at this organization, development officer about what I've done there. Turns out he'd given the other place 10 million. And so I threw everything in the kitchen sink at this relationship. And I said, what can I do next? I'll bring the Dean. Well, I couldn't schedule the Dean to get to that place for quite a while. So I said, I've got a, a regional trustee. I'll, Throw, throw that in the mix. I'll try to get the donor back to campus. Okay, that didn't work, so now what can I do? And what I realized was I was going move to move. I was just playing checklists. Every, wherever I was, I was just looking at what do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? And it was taking forever because the stuff I planned wasn't working out. If I couldn't get the dean to go for a year and that was my next step, then I was just gonna wait a year before I thought of anything else. So I called the development officer at the other place and I learned how engaged the donor was there in so many ways. And uh, it was always for me like the one that got away. I, I thought about it and thought about it as a regional major gift officer. How can, I, how can I move up the list? And I never did get that gift. But when I got into the principal gifts office, I said, all right, this is a pipeline problem. We want to grow the number of principal gifts in the campaign. It's been grown to 12 a year. How can we go to 15? How can we go to 20? Well, the way to do that is to get 
uh, more leads being bubbled up from your major gift officers. And so I said, all right, I wonder if I could survey and put together a list of what's been working for our most successful officers who converted principal gifts and then put that in the hands of everybody else. And if we could figure out what these characteristics were, then the gift officers could know this is the way we do it. This is the proven system. And if I can't work on this step, let me work on that step. If I can't get them back to campus, let me work on engaging the spouse. If I can't get a meeting with you know, the president, let me work on getting them on a board. Let me steward the annual fund. Let me steward the prior gift. What can I, I've got 12 things to work on. Let's not work them in series. Let's work them in parallel. And if you work them in parallel, you can build intensity. And so for me, I grew up camping. I grew up in upstate New York and we had this thing called Jiffy Pop, which was, you know, comes in a tin and you put it on the campfire and shake it. You know, you've got to keep shaking and shaking and shaking it. And then it, you know, boils up and, and then, and then you pull open the tin, you rip open the tin and the popcorn is there. And I think about building intensity, kind of like Jiffy Pop. And if you work the steps yeah. parallel, you can get a gift in 12 to 18 months, not six years, which is the, what I was doing with, with this other, with the other. Yeah. So we said, all right, let's go around and just get conventional wisdom from the best officers. And then let's look at hundred gifts that we closed and figure out uh, immediately prior to the gift, were these things prevalent? And then we looked at not only the Northwestern data, but then I got in touch with three or four other peer universities. And I said, hey, tell me what's working for you at the principal gift space too. And that became- And people were willing to share that? They were because I said I would anonymize it. I said, I'm gonna put your data with my data and then I'll share it back to you. Mm -hmm. And so what we found was that the most important thing, the most important common denominator that all the principal gifts closed had 86% had a standalone gift officer relationship, the kind of relationship where the officer is established in their own right, not just on the arm of the dean or president, someone who can get in the door themselves, okay? And then two, a campus visit in the past three years, 84% of them had had a campus visit in the past three years. And then third, 74% had uh, three or more visits with a dean, or unit leader, head of athletics, head of student life, someone who can really execute programs, who's got a school and can put the, put the money to work. Several other steps here, we took off a few steps. Knowing an influential board member turned out to not be uh, something that we kept. A prior major gift of 250,000 and above was prevalent in 65% of the cases. Two thirds of the cases, prior major gift. One third, no. That became amazing. How do you how do you go from you know ten thousand or zero to five million dollar giving? Uh, that's kind of what we found. And so then we put it all together. We said, okay, these are twelve cultivation steps you need to do. Now there's some prerequisites. They've got to have net worth. They've got to have, we think, a hundred million dollars net worth. And you can find that typically from Wellbex, or you can see the kind of gifts they're making elsewhere. And then you want to find some evidence of liquidity, evidence of liquidity. Uh, 
if it's mm-hmm. a closely held company and it's not liquid, uh, multi-generational family enterprise, uh, that's by definition not stock that they're going to give you. I also looked at the Chronicle of Philanthropy's Big Gift database, and you can find that there are only a couple of $25 million gifts that are made by like 30-year-olds. There are, mm-hmm. At the time that I wrote the book, there were only two I could find in the last decade. Most of them, in fact, are 60-plus. This is that life stage where you, you've gone from wealth accumulation to then wealth distribution. You know what your kids' lives are going to be like. You, you've got grandkids in the picture. You've kind of got things settled, settled out with your company. You're looking at legacy and impact. And so what we found is that the vast majority of cases were over 60 years of age. These were not freshman parents who had just joined the organization, right? So is this checklist in the hands of all frontline fundraisers at Northwestern? Yeah. 17 check boxes, and then you get a total, okay? And the total at the bottom indicates readiness to ask for the gift. And so I have a, a handy little prediction. So at the bottom of the checklist, it has, uh, okay, here's my plan over six months. Like you can, you can write it in the box, but then here's a prediction. Under five items checked, almost no chance. Zero gifts studied had less than five. Solicitation may get a response of, you're crazy. Okay. Five to seven, unlikely, can we check any more boxes in the next six months uh, to prepare the gift, okay? Eight to 11 is expect a not now or lower amount. You go in asking for five, you get one. Or I'm just not ready to make this commitment. Come back and talk to me. I've got other pledges. Um, You're just not that high on my priority list right now, right? 12 to 14 out of 17 is we're expecting a yes. Most successful principal gift asks study had 12 or more. And then 15 to 17 high chance of success. Ask at the highest possible level. Maybe even ask higher than you. I think we can go in and ask for 25 instead of 15. We've built up enough trust with this donor. We're not going to offend them. They'll tell us if it's too high. So we use that. And I would often, as a principal gifts director, sit down with major gift officers with the checklist in front of us and say, we have done nothing to engage the spouse. Or who are the other key family stakeholders? What's up with the foundation director? Do we have a relationship with that person? A principal gift is, I think, about they want to do it. The philanthropist is inspired. And now you have to remove objections. Hopefully you've been talking with the spouse as a couple. The spouses as a couple. That's step one. You know, you never just want to be talking with one spouse. But then you have to think, 10 or $25 million gift. Is their accountant going to, is their lawyer going to object? Is their foundation? Right. Who else needs to be in the room? And then, you know, the the children, grandchildren, that's, that's in part where the plan giving techniques come involved too. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to structure this as a lead trust or something like that so that we can also solve some challenges, you know, or do something with the assets related to our grandkids or that sort of thing. So, so the team that I'm on is Central Major Gift, and my boss has more than once referred to us as a service team to the other 16 schools and units. 
Do you view your work in a similar lens or what does that idea mean to you as you think about principal gifts? Principal gifts office is fundamentally a service department, uh, but I think not all of them act that way. I think that because they're close to the president's office, because they're working with the highest prospects, they tend to, you know, develop a mentality that could be uh, what I call uh, kiss the ring. If you need something done from principal gifts, come kiss the ring. We're obviously the important people working on the important stuff. If you want the, uh, the best access, the best gifts, you kind of have to kiss up to us. I feel the opposite. I feel that the major gift officers are our clients. The president's office is our client. Uh, the donors are our clients. Um, we're, we're in service to everybody. We can't, uh, we're not going to go, uh, we can't give every, everyone what they want. We have to prioritize. But my attitude is I want to attract major gift officers, not repel them or try to, uh, you know, lord my so-called intellect over them. They're the ones bringing me business and I want more business. And would you argue that that approach actually yields more better results? It does. It does. And it may be just, it adds a couple of names to the pipeline a year. You know, it, it just, and then those convert to a principal gift in a year or two. And it, it creates friendships. It gave me, um, you know, access to emerging talent in the office. And so for me, uh, that was the tone of service that I wanted to take on uh, in the team. The $5 million question really is, could this be applied to other institutions? And better yet, could it be applied outside of higher ed? Right. So, so much of this is, is basic trust building, you know, thanking them for the prior gift, showing them the impact, introducing them to the recipients, introducing them to the leadership uh, of the institution. And these things are, I think, any nonprofit is to some extent doing programming. Uh, they've got something to, to show that donors can interact with, leadership that they need to meet. Those things are universal. I was talking with some of my colleagues at Northwestern Medicine about doing a grateful patient edition. I've got a close colleague I work with named Dave Sack who said, you guys uh, in, in higher ed working with uh, alma mater style giving, uh, the prospect pool is like a lake, but for us, it's like a stream where you've got people, you know, coming, coming into the system, you know, life-saving doctors, relationship form very quickly, intensity built very quickly. Great metaphor. Uh, and so we said, what's the grateful patient edition of this? And, um, and so we were talking about doing a collaboration. I also think that it's going to be different for uh, smaller direct service organizations who have different kinds of programs than universities, but still certain things are universal getting into their top three getting them on the board the best way to get them high up on the on your priority on their priority list is to put them on your board put them on the highest board you can and then they will prioritize you automatically particularly if it's the fiduciary board if it's the top level board one challenge i have we all have in big universities is that the top level boards of our schools are not fiduciary. They're advisory. 
and only the top top board is fiduciary. Mm -hmm. So that uh, is a challenge. If you're a smaller arts organization with an $8 million budget, you may have better ability to put them on a board that's going to be the fiduciary board and then they'll really prioritize it. Mm -hmm. So is it applicable to other places? I think moving people from outsider to insider, building trust is, is universal. Well, so obviously there are limitations when you are less senior in the organization. I myself, as you know, I'm a major gift officer. Of the 17 boxes that I'm able to check in the place that I am in the institution, do you think if I treated all of my donors like principal gift prospects, mm -hmm. I would be yielding a higher close rate? It's a great question. I actually don't want major gift officers to treat every relationship as principal gift, and I'll tell you why. Principal gifts tend to be shiny jewels in their own setting. Super custom gifts. And it takes a lot of money to really do something new and customized at the university. If you apply the same techniques at the $250,000 level and try to create something super customized, like a student prize or something that's just like so custom, you may end up with something that the university doesn't really need. They probably would have preferred for you to do something a little more standard. And so I generally think of major gifts. Again, if you're if if a place like Northwestern or Princeton or Columbia is getting hundreds of these a year, they need them to be somewhat standardized. The principal gifts get truly customized. Now, if you walk in to meet meet a donor and they have 10 times the net worth that you thought they did, then you immediately want to start employing the techniques in the book. Um, but the, the techniques will not magically make a 20, someone with a $25 million net worth into a principal gift prospect. I mean, it is possible through a state giving that they might leave you 20%. I work with a donor who left 100%, you know, left a, a $2 million estate, 100% to, to Northwestern. But generally, you can't turn a major gift portfolio into principal gifts, but you'll have a couple of diamonds in the rough. I worked in the engineering school and there were a lot of uh, in manufacturing companies. You know, Hoover's would say it was this size or that many employees, 40 employees, 60 employees. And then you pull up to one and the parking lot's huge and it's full of tons of cars. And you say, this is 10 times bigger than the research indicated. Then you start to use these techniques. So it really is about net worth. It is. That different, that moment of making the differentiation. I really think so. But I do think that, that most major gift officers have probably three or four. I know I do. You do? do. I definitely have a few. Let's move on to talking about how the checklist can serve as a de-risking tool. Uh, this is something that you told me about. And we're going to dive into a couple different things under this umbrella. But what I want to start with is you've mentioned in several instances in this conversation, having the leadership involved in these gifts and in these conversations. I know this might seem like an obvious question, but why is that so important? Okay. Let me ask you a question as a gift officer. Have you ever said, I want my prospect to meet the president? No. 
Okay, so you've never gone and knocked on the door and said, this person needs to meet the president. Okay, well, it was my job to both encourage and also really scrutinize those requests. I wanted major gift officers to bring and surface great names, but I didn't want to send the president in on a bad deal. The gift officer said it was more ready than it was. I wanted to give a cultivation tool to the major gift officers, but I also wanted a, a common way of looking at it to determine readiness. The president is asking for the biggest gifts in the university. If the president goes and asks for 25 million, gets 25 million, the president's having a great day. Trust is high, and you and and then you you send him for the next gift, 50 million, and he goes for it. And he gets it. Okay. Imagine uh, instead on the first $25 million gift, president gets shot down, sent on a bad deal, sent home. Then you say the next one's 50 million. Well, the president might think, A, I don't know, not really worth, you know, I can't really be trusted. Or that maybe the market's not really uh, that high. So might second guess the $50 million and only go for 15 million. Right? So you want the president feeling great, feeling confident. It's not building easy. the trust with the president the same way yes. you do the donor. Not easy. It's, it's yeah. not easy to go ask for $50 million. It's really high stakes. So I wanted to de-risk the gifts, de-risk the the prospects before I before I put myself on the line, because I had a weekly meeting, you know, during during the height of the campaign where we go talk to the president and say, here's what we're doing next. I didn't want to go in on a bad deal and put it up and, and put my name on it. The gift officer wasn't going to be the one in the room arguing for it, right? Um, so for me, it was how do we make sure the president will have the best chance of success? What can we as staff do? Hold on, you've never met the spouse? Okay, this is an issue. Why don't we work on this and come back to me and say, Hold on, I found out that this old gift they gave got screwed up in stewardship. Go fix that. You know, it's going to come do up. Do all of that first. Do, yeah, just do some simple stuff that gift officers can do, mm -hmm. uh, that deans can do. The other thing about, you asked about why it's important to meet the leadership. So mm -hmm. much of what happens at big research universities is at the school level. The deans are really important. They're like CEOs of their areas. The president doesn't actually execute program. President brings in gifts, but they'll be executed in the school, most likely, or in an institute initiative. For a really big gift, the donor needs to meet the dean who's going to execute the gift. But then, you know, deans stay six, seven years on average. I think is probably about uh, probably probably about the industry average. Presidents, you know, we're I think we're in um, thirteen years. Uh, with with President Shapiro, which is which is incredible, and it's a it's a long run. But if there's any turnover, you know that program, that endowed program, the vision of it that was negotiated between the dean and the donor may be at risk. Donor wants to know what's the dean's boss think about them. What's the dean's boss think about this program I'm in love with? If something were to happen, 
the gift officer, the dean, you know, if people were to turn over, uh, would my program be uh, in good shape? I mean, these are long-term blended request gifts, endowed gifts that really are set for the long-term. And so um, how do you make sure that there's alignment and shared vision up and down? And then- And that's just smart business too. From the key trustees too, you know? Yeah. Um, because you don't want to make a gift and then and then have it be, it was this dean's priority, but not the next dean's priority. And how often are you finding that the gifts that you're working on are straddling more than one school or unit? Because that also adds complication, right? Right. I did a study of this in the Big Ten, and I, there's another group that studies this called the Strategic Initiatives Group that I'm a part of, and we looked uh, statistically, I don't have the data here, but on how many of the big gifts are truly interdisciplinary. And the $100 million gifts generally are. There's some combination of medicine, engineering. They're doing something transformative. Transformative things are not only transformative in terms of size, but they shake up the way the university works. They create a new institute. They create uh, a, a recombining of top faculty from different areas. That's why it requires so much money. But I think at the principal gift level, we see most of them in the units at five and 10, 15 million. No dean, uh, to my knowledge, has gotten a gift above 15 without the president's help. But I would say that the, the interdisciplinary gifts uh, probably tend to be the 15 million and above gifts because they're recombining things and they're working with star faculty that, you know, running big labs and, you know, it takes a lot of money. So, but we get a lot of unit-based gifts at five and 10, 15. I feel like I can't close this interview without asking you, what does it actually feel like to close a principal gift and to, to see this through to the end? There's many, many stages to it. Generally the most exciting moment is when you come back with the verbal yes, and then you gotta work out the gift agreement and the, the publicity and the stewardship and then running the program. And you know, there's so, there's so many steps, but the most exciting is when, uh, when it worked, you, 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 you put the president on a plane, you had the checklist, it was worked out and you're like, oh my gosh, this actually works, oh, it's amazing. And then it's just really rewarding to see uh, to see the gift put to use and to introduce the donor to program. But the other thing is trying to close 12 a year. You always have a couple more in the pipeline too. You know, you want to sit, you want to celebrate each one distinctly, but when you're running a principal gifts program, it's also, um, you know, you're all constantly thinking about the pipeline too. You hinted at this, but you didn't explicitly say it. What have the results been post checklist? Has the pipeline gone to 15? Yeah, it has not gone to 15. Uh, we peaked in the campaign about four years ago. We got four $100 million gifts in about a 15-month stretch. And oh I came on it after that. And let me tell you, it was, it was hard. We were able to maintain stability. When President Shapiro came in, the number of principal gifts quintupled at Northwestern. Wait, okay, you said quintupled. Quintupled. From two to three a year to 
12 and 14. Oh my gosh. So, so maintaining is a huge. So maintaining the growth, yeah. uh, maintaining the growth. And then I was looking at how do I help the units raise the five and 10, $15 million gifts. And there was a new Dean of the business school. I was doing a lot of office hours. I'd offer the medical school or the business school. I'd stop in and work with their staff and promote the checklist. I got to know the new Dean of the business school and that's how I ended up moving from being assistant vice president of principal gifts to being associate Dean of a unit. And I think that people in central were happy for me to go over there and, and try to help them uh, close more principal gifts. So I would say we were able to maintain, but not grow. That bugged me. I had, uh, we were, we did grow the pipeline significantly. I remember that the pipeline was, uh, you know, a three page report, it became a five page report. I mean, we had a lot more in the hopper. The other thing is that, you know, we were able to go from 3.75 and overachieve and go to 5 billion. And a lot of that has to do with having a really strong principal gifts program and a really tremendous president who started closing gifts like Northwestern had never seen. Well, another thing you said that I want to go back to is the idea that you really are in the background, you know, even working at the highest level, you're not always making the ask, you're sort of pulling the strings, right? Does that feel thankless? If you're a strategist, it's a lot of fun. If, if that suits you, I love to think in six to 18 month timescales and, uh, other people on my team were in this week and next week you needed a balance, but uh, I'm, I'm a strategy gamer. I love to play strategy games. You know, <laughs> I have a whole closet full of them I play with my kids. It just is my nature. I think it, it kind of lends itself to uh, principal gifts work if you like that. I would love to end with my signature question, Ben, okay. which is what do you know for sure? It's a great question. And I'll tell you what I know for sure. I know for sure that we're on this earth for a short time. And we work for great organizations that I think have the ability to make a difference. The nonprofit sector is not sleepy. It's not uh, quaint. These are hard jobs and they're important jobs. And even though we're only here for a short period of time, it feels like this period that we're living in is the most complicated the most, potentially the most important to do something. For me, uh, environment, gun violence, these are things that are really important to me. We have some of the the top uh, network scientists working on gun violence in Chicago. um, And I love that a place like Northwestern is working on root problems behind societal problems. And so for me, uh, it feels wonderful to try to make this organization stronger. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Catherine. I loved Ben's description of principal gifts as shiny jewels in their own setting. However, we learned today that we can use data to understand what principal gifts share in common and to learn what's needed to make a successful principal gifts ask. If you want to hear more from Ben, I recommend you order his book through case.org. To learn more about The Debrief, check us out on Instagram at devdebrief or connect with me on LinkedIn. You can also email me comments or suggestions at devdebrief at gmail.com. 
Thanks for listening and have a great day.